0: wondering how to fall completely in love with the people and things that surround you at home? I've spent the last 15 years studying how and where families thrive and what relational and house characteristics ignite us with that homey feeling. On this podcast, we uncover how our brains process the people we live with and the houses we live in so we can confidently create our homes to be wonder-filled connection magnets. Ready to give up the decision fatigue, comparison hives, overwhelm ulcers, and confusion chaos? You are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Thornock. Welcome to Becoming Home. What's up, homies? I'm so glad that you are here today. I have with me Kim Wilson. You're going to love this woman. If you are listening, you might just want to consider hopping over to the YouTube channel and seeing a video of her because she's a light. Not only is her hair a light, it's this beautiful blonde color, which I just learned came out of Crazy Hair Day for school, and it still looks phenomenal. So that I feel like you should just go to see that. But she is a light of a person herself and, and so much fun. As I've been talking with Kim um, about a bunch of different things, inviting her on the show and, and figuring out that we're actually bosom friends from worlds before, it's it's become clear to me that she is one who's an expert in both children and in nature and, I, and, and therapy as a whole and progress and learning and growth. And I can't wait for you to meet her. Kim is Nature's Path, the founder of Nature's Path Occupational Therapy. She's a pediatric occupational therapist. She lives in Colorado Springs with her six kids and awesome family and husband, and all, all the things. She has five acres and she has a greenhouse. And I love her already. I can't wait for you to meet her. Welcome to the show, Kim. Oh, my goodness. Thanks for having me, Carly. My ultimate pleasure. So, this is not new stuff for you. You've been an OT for 17 years. Is that right?
1: That's correct. I have been an OT for 17 years. Yeah.
0: Okay, so we were just talking about how your husband's military and you move around all over the place and have had some really fabulous adventures. How yes. have you been doing OT as you go on the road?
1: Yeah, I that's a great question because the answer to that question is I have been super flexible for what it looks like in different seasons of life. And so, you know, I was our first assignment was Hawaii and I actually started out there doing what I had previously done, what which was neuro rehab adult neuro rehab and then I quickly got pregnant. Yeah. I did adult neuro rehab and that was like my first love. I really love neuro rehab. This the complexity of it and the brain and just, you get to meet families in this really just like raw, just really raw season of life and walk alongside them. And I, there's something very dear to my heart when it comes to that. And I still actually do some on call work in that area, just because I love just the complexity of it. And it's just very different than what I do in my own private practice. But, um, so in Hawaii I did that, but then I quickly, I I got pregnant very quickly after we got married, which was a surprise. And so I always knew I wanted to be a stay at home mom. And so I, I quickly started thinking about like what that would look like being able to kind of juggle and keep my foot in my profession, but also, as a mom, stay home with my kids. And at that point I didn't see myself as a homeschooling mom, but it was quickly revealed to me that that was something that would really grow as a passion of mine. And so at that point I started thinking about like switching gears of like, well, what is the most flexible kind of area to work in? And so shortly thereafter, I started doing early intervention, which is zero to three years old. And Um, A lot of states have early intervention programs and it's just very flexible because you're an independent contractor and you can kind of pick and choose how many kids you take on your caseload. And so I started doing that. And so early on in my career, I literally would like only take kids. I would look up their address prior to taking them on my caseload to make sure they were kind of in my vicinity of my home to where I could maybe pop Mm. out for an hour between like nursing sessions with my babies and then pop back in. And so it's looked really different in different seasons of life. And so now I say I'm kind of in this like sweet spot of motherhood. My oldest is 14 and my youngest is five. And so I feel like, you know, as a mom, I think you can relate. Like there's, there's a moment in motherhood where you kind of like, feel like you come up for, for like a breath of air of like, Oh wow. Like we're out of diapers and we're kind of out of like toddlerhood and you know, my youngest only is five, but he's way more, you know, independent than he was. And so I have a lot of flexi- more flexibility now and so I started my private practice 2 years ago as my kids kind of were getting a little older but I still work part time. I like to put that out there because I certainly my primary calling is a, as a mother and I feel like my secondary calling is um an, to serve children as an occupational therapist. So
0: 2 oh, years I ago it. I started
1: Nature's Path OT and that is a it is basically occupational therapy performed outside in nature in very simplistic terms.
0: That seems perfect. Nature is so healing. And why is that not standard practice? I know. I know. I,
1: I, I
0: agree. <laughs> now <laughs> it is. Now it is. Everybody go. Now to major occupation.
1: <laughs> I, I do feel like it is gaining a lot of momentum. It's been exciting for me to see, to kind of be on the forefront of this wave of even research that's coming out, where now we're seeing all the research emerging that's showing how beneficial it, it is for children, adults human beings in general, just being immersed in nature. And so it's been fun to pair, you know, my skills as an occupational therapist with the naturally occurring benefits
0: um, that nature provides. Oh my gosh. That sounds magic. (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. So what are these benefits? What are you seeing? What are you noticing in the research and what's applicable to your clients? Yeah. So, I mean, we know
1: just in general, we, I specifically now work in pediatrics. So I, I will see children, you know, from zero, you know, babies just right at birth all the way to 16 years of age. And so we, we know that just in general, outdoor time for children has decreased extensively over the years. Children are not getting as much outdoor time as they typically, typically have. And so I, I, I noticed from a personal perspective as an occupational therapist, the increase in referrals of just things that are challenging for children that are correlated to just that decrease in outdoor playtime. So we're talking really? about like, yeah, we're talking about core strength and we're talking about upper extremity strength. You know, we're also talking about visual skills, like just these, these things that are ultimately being impacted. I know Carly, we've talked a lot about environment and the impact of, of an environment on, just families on children, just overall functioning. Right. And so it's been interesting as an OT, I kind of had this passion because it started as I was in early intervention, I would get these kids on my caseload and they would be maybe more mild concerns, but still they would qualify for therapy services. And I would get frustrated because I think like, man, I just feel like a lot of these things would resolve themselves if they would just get outside more. And so then this light bulb kind of went off in my head of like, wait, like I can, I have the ability to just take them outside more. So I'm just going to start doing that. And so then I just started seeing like the benefits of that, as far as improving the things that they were getting referred to therapy for. So core strength, gross motor skills, fine motor skills, even when we're talking about attention deficit and those types of things, you know, we we've seen an increase in kind of these diagnoses of attention deficit. And um, we now know the research is emerging that there's a naturally kind of restorative benefit to being out in nature when it comes to attention. And so to me, it's kind of just this this beautiful pairing of when I'm trying to work on goals with children and we're trying to make progress in therapeutic goals we want to put them in an environment that naturally restores their attention right and so yeah it's been i feel really honored and privileged to kind of see those benefits firsthand and for for me as a therapist just to be able to step back and see what the natural environment just naturally does for the child right that i don't i don't always have to be the facilitator but we can encounter things together as therapist and you know client that just naturally just improve client outcomes for the patient. So
0: yeah. Wow. So as a mom who's taking my kids outside and doing my best to give them this nature experience, what could you recommend that I keep an eye out for, or like point out or do together, facilitate in this experience, or is it more child-led? How does it work? What would you recommend? I 100%.
1: That's the beauty of it. And that's what I say to families all the time. The beauty of it is like, you just have to open your front door. That's what I say to families. Like, and as a mom, right? As a mom, don't we just want simplicity? Like, don't we just want like, keep yes. it simple. And so I just say, just open your front door because you, I feel like we've gotten caught up in this like Pinterest culture of, of motherhood, where we feel like we have to like cultivate these amazing crafts and cultivate these <laughs> amazing activities for our children. And it can be really, really overwhelming it for mothers. Right. But like, I just say, open your front door because truly like the natural environment throws at children, everything needed for natural childhood development. When we're talking about gross motor skills and fine motor skills and cognitive skills and truly the less intervention, the better. When we're talking about mm. just typical childhood development, I do want to caveat sure. that because they're, you know, I see children who are qualifying for therapy services. So there's developmental gaps, right? So in those contexts, like there is intervention, right? Like I, as a therapist, am intervening therapeutically in order to help them participate in a valued occupation. So, but for when we're talking about typical development, really the less intervention, the better. And we're actually harming when we try to intervene too long. So, you know, it can take Mm. children 20 to 30 minutes of boredom before they actually use their own brain and come up with an activity. And and so, but if you think about it, we are very uncomfortable with that as parents, right? It's like our ability to just sit back because we have to deal with maybe the 20 minutes of like, mommy, I'm bored or mommy, what can I do? And so I just tell parents, like, you just need to step back And just let nature do its thing with your child. And those are just the naturally occurring benefits for childhood development. When we're talking about typical childhood development. so
0: Wow, this is so true. The way I've seen this in my own family is I have very active boys. Very busy, strong, amazing kids. And when I try to teach them or even talk to them inside. Unless unless I've been specific about patterning my home after nature. It's much harder than if we go outside. And their stimulation set point is regulated automatically how nature does it. I have no idea. Yes. And the one is playing with sand on the beach and the other one is drawing a picture and the other one is sitting on my lap and we're talking about something that they would not be able to attend to otherwise. It's just, it's kind of magical. And how cool to use that in therapy.
1: Yeah. Well, the thing about nature is that it's it has this naturally stimulating effect, but also this naturally calming effect, right? And so, we we live in a in a world and a society. Although after talking to you, Carly, and kind of where you're planted, I don't know. I I just need to get my eyes on your community that you're a part of. <laughs> but in general, in general, we live in a society that our children are comp- constantly bombarded with um, stimulation, right. And it's not calming. It's not calming stimulation. Like I just talked about, it is overstimulating and very disorganizing for our children's central nervous system. So, you know, we're just talking about when you just think in general, just lights, sounds, the constant, you know, even when we're just talking about just the natural school environment, Carly, you and I homeschool, but like, I do a lot of um, collaborating with schools, and I do a lot of just working with children who are actually in schools, and so I'm having to do environmental assessments of classroom environments. And the the number of children in classroom environments is increasing exponentially. And so you're when you're thinking about just like a classroom of 25 kids, which is really the average classroom nowadays, it's very overstimulating. Just in the natural environment, you know, the the auditory stimulus of just children. Children chatting, or even not even children chatting, just the basic movements of children, whether they're moving their legs or their hands or getting their objects out of there. So, our children are just in these environments that it's a constant bombardment of their sensory systems, right? And so Yet nature in and of itself, like you said, it, it can, it's naturally stimulating, not overstimulating and, but yet it produces this kind of calming effect as opposed to this like overstimulating effect to the central
0: nervous system. I love how you said disorganizing because that's how it feels. It just feels like it's been electrocuted. Everything is a little bit haywire versus regulated and organized and how fascinating. I just find it fascinating that the Pinterest words the pictures messages that we receive are organized on purpose force organization force organization but nature through its seeming chaos is actually the most regulating organizing entity we could ever invite right
1: absolutely it's it's highly unpredictable yet yet extremely calming right there's nothing there is nothing really that exists that's less predictable than, than nature. Like it is highly unpredictable. Like it's ever changing. And that's what I love about working with children in that environment, because it's ever changing, right? We, from one day to the next, even if I'm treating in the same treatment space or the same environment, it can be different. Like Colorado has gotten an insane amount of rain. And so I have my treatment space right now, the grass is like up to kids hips. Right. And they've never experienced that before. Cause it's Colorado and it's usually dry. Right. Yeah. But I welcome that because it is a, a challenge for children. Right. It's it, it produces this kind of like level of grit of like pushing past something that isn't typical, right. In their typical routine. And it's, it's things that it throws at mm-hmm. the kids that I can't, I cannot reproduce in a clinic setting. Right. So like There's a little creek that runs through my treatment area and it can vary from day, you know, day to day, how high the water is or how low the water is, how muddy it is or
0: whatever it Mm -hmm. is. And the
1: the children just have to adapt. And, um, it's a really great environment to work on those types of skills. So,
0: wow, that's so cool, but it's not a, so interesting because all of this has me so fascinated. It's so interesting because it's not a huge change. When you come to a space week after week or day after day, if it's your own home, the grass grows incrementally. And then, it is uh, you know what I mean? And so it's just these minor little changes that throw them off enough that they have to rebalance and work out those, those, I want to say like little tiny muscles, both emotionally and physically. And then it's familiar enough that they're willing to engage. Really? Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. No, you a hundred percent described it. Um, just last week with the kids, we've gotten so much rain that Colorado typically doesn't have a lot of mosquitoes, but we were down by the Creek and there was mosquitoes around us, which is, and so it was, we had to kind of process through that because your environment, and we've talked a lot about this Carly, just in our message exchanges, but the environment in which we operate, like we're constantly having to adapt to that. Right. And so for kids, even something as small as mosquitoes, especially some kids that I work with where we're dealing with some sort of developmental gap or sensory processing difficulties, mm-hmm. even small mosquitoes, which you or I could maybe, you know, inhibit and be able to block out. Like that can be very, very challenging for some of the children that I work with. But again, it per, nature brings that opportunity for me without me having to fabricate anything. Right. It just is a naturally occurring mm-hmm. therapeutic activity of just having to deal with the mosquitoes while we're trying to participate in in something. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. I think that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Okay, so Kim, how do we take this into our homes? How do we bring this unpredictability and stability of nature Into our homes, and I mean, maybe the answer is we actually consider outside home spaces more seriously, but how do we incorporate this so that when we're inside, we aren't having to fabricate so many experiences and so much behavior? A lot of my moms are feeling like I have to make the dinner and clean the dinner and everything just requires so much hands-on input, energy, expenditure. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like there's, yeah. a, there's a, a way to do that? Have you seen any successful environments make that transition?
1: Well, I like to say, like, I would like, I think we should even just take it back a step when we're talking about, as an OT, what we talk about a lot is we call, we call it the person environment fit. And what mm-hmm. we're looking at there is, you know, assessing the environment in order to produce an environment That produces successful participation in occupation, which I I I don't know who all is listening to this, Carly, but you know, a lot of times the word occupation is the definition of it is misinterpreted. So people hear occupation and they think just like, well, what do you do for a job? Like, oh, so you help people get back to their job, but in reality, the the correct definition of occupation is anything that's meaningful to you as a person, or anything that's meaningful to you as a child that you wish to participate in on a daily basis. And so, if you think about that, that is a lot of activities, right? Especially for our children, a primary occupation of our children is play, right? And so, but when we when we think about our home environment, and when I talk to moms. I really try to get them good at environmental assessment, like stepping back within the walls of your own home, you know, what, what is it that is successfully contributing to your child being able to successfully participate in whatever it is within the home environment? And what are the things that hinder it? Right. And so it can be everything. It can be the, the, the lights that you have in your home, or it can be whether it's natural light from the windows, which I'm always a proponent, bigger proponent of natural light and not, you know, overstimulating overhead lights. But the sounds, the sounds, or even the visual stimulus that you have within your home, like making it, you know, making it something that's like visually appealing and calming and organizing, as opposed to, um, I, I often say within the schools, I love teacher, I love them so much, but a yeah. lot of times when you walk into a classroom environment it is so visual, over overly visually stimulating. Like there's bright colors and oftentimes there's not a single space empty space on the wall. Right. And for a child that can be very visually overstimulating. And so I think we need to think about that when we're talking about our home environment too, mm-hmm. just about doing an environmental assessment of like how much is my child having to actually process and their central nervous system having to process Um, And what are the things that are helping them be successful as far as participating in our family unit? And what are the things that are hindering that? And then again, I'm a, I think I spoke to you about this. I'm a big proponent of, you know, having lots of outdoor space so you can live your home life and letting that, um, letting it be very fluid between outdoor living and indoor living.
0: Yeah. So I like that. I like that about that. I like the idea. Some, some people are nervous about this and where I live, it's not a concern. My kids just roam around like the good yeah. old days, like the 80s, <laughs> but, uh, but sometimes this is a concern. And so there's ways that you can let this space be open between your house and your outside. And there are steps you can take to make this feel safer. You can fence, you can put up screens so the bugs don't get in, but you can make it accessible. Ex- accessible there are ways so if this is something that your brain is telling you like I would love that but it's not possible it's not safe it's not possible let's get creative like let's figure out a way so that your kids and you you can be regulating with nature even while you're inside it's so important and from what you're telling me all the attributes I want my kids to develop toward are found with a beautiful relationship in nature Yes.
1: Yes, absolutely. And there absolutely are ways to bring it inside. However, I do get that a lot, Carly, about just the, and it, it is a reality for some people, whether they live on a busy road or what, you know, just the environmental context outside their home, maybe not being conducive to allowing their children to do that. However, I I like to say to families, one of the best ways to get your child outside is to actually go outside with them, right? And I know, I know, I'm a mom of six, I get it. Sometimes you just need to like check out and you your kids need to go. But at the same time, I am a big believer that the way we raise children that love to be outside is actually to be outside with them. And especially at those young ages. And so when you kind of just align with that mantra and you put in the time and energy to be out there. A lot of those safety concerns kind of are out the window, right? Because you're there with them. And right. you, it's not as much of a safety concern. Um, and I know it can I know motherhood is hard and we need space from our children, but for the most part, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of modeling that for our children and how we do that is we're actually we're actually out doing there with them ourselves. doing it
0: ourselves, right? And you know what I've noticed too, I mean. Guys, this is such the parenting hack of the year. When you go outside with your kids, it will take T minus five minutes for them to start digging in the dirt, finding the bugs, playing the game, climbing the tree. It'll only take a little bit of you being involved and being excited and leading the way. And then before you know it, they are engaged and you have for yourself, not just 20 minutes, but four hours of quiet time because nature is so engaging. Have you found this to be true as well?
1: I have found this to be true and I found it to be true. I think it's fun. Carly, how old is how old are your kids again? How old's your oldest? We are nine,
0: eight, and six.
1: Okay. So I'm just a little I have really enjoyed um feeling like I'm stepping into like the veteran motherhood of my oldest. You are. I have arrived. I mean, I know I have a lot to learn. Don't get me wrong. I know oh no, I have you've
0: arrived. A We're giving you all the start. Yes. <laughs> You kept someone alive for 14 years. Yes, that is an
1: accomplishment. Six people alive, by the way. But I, it has been fun to, as I'm emerging into this, like, I have a teenager now, two teenagers now, as I'm emerging, it is really just blessed my heart to be like, oh, wow, like the time and energy I put in when they were younger to these things that I value Mm -hmm. really I really am reaping the benefits. They are reaping the benefits as well. But I also am reaping the benefits of seeing them enjoy those things, right? Like it can, it is, it is hard work when your kids are young to be able to like get them outside and make sure they're safe outside or all the things.
0: Or but get them I in really snow enjoy- pants. We can just stop yes. there. I feel like getting them in snow pants, it's like, okay, psych me up, give me some chocolate yes. chips. I'm ready to go. But go ahead. And so it's
1: so true. It's a lot, a lot of work. Um, when they're little, but I have so enjoyed being in kind of this newer season of seeing the fruit of that labor of, or even just hike, you know, we, we liked hiking camp as a family and like hiking was not always enjoyable when they were little, right? Like we have the wine, you know, we have the weak legs and the whiny voices and nobody, you know, go 10 steps and they're asking if it's over yet. Right. And it, it was, you know, my commitment of like, This is something I want us to value as a family and to be able to see the fruits of that now as they're older has, has really just been sweet for me. Um, and so I have enjoyed being able to speak to, you know, younger moms who are kind of in the thick of it of, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. I lived it. I had babies slung on my front. I had babies slung on my back and I had toddlers that I was pulling along and just, just the modeling of that and the commitment of that and what that produces in children as they get older. So
0: that's beautiful to hear. That's super inspirational to me. I'm sure that will be inspirational to everybody who hears that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I have a couple of ideas I wanted to run by you and see what you think in your occupational background and your mutual appreciation of, of nature. Some of these new building home building techniques that I actually was unaware of until I moved out to our ranch are so fascinating in in the way that I feel about letting my family be in a space so for instance there's a okay. building style that's called cob, and this is where you mix mud and straw and lime and that's basically it just like a few simple ingredients together and you pile them in a specific way to build the walls of your home kind of like adobe so cool yeah a that's bit more saying- mud feeling yeah and the process that you make your mixture has to be in small batches, and it has to dry appropriately. But a lot of the time you're mixing the 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 batch with your feet, and so it becomes this like family dance situation, community dance party. So cool to build your house. But then once your home is built and you plaster, and it looks beautiful. If you guys look up cob home interiors or um, earth and floors or anything like this, they're they're beautiful to the standards of 21st century home yeah but the fun part for me is thinking about my kids in these napped natu- more nature-based houses running into the walls like they do every single day throwing stuff around my house like they do every single day and when it hits the wall if it dents it I grab a little bit of water and I just smooth the plaster right over and we're done and if there's a huge hole I get some mud and I put it on my walls and smooth it out with like kind of no emotional or physical implications.
1: And I think That's that a lot of
0: awesome. the the stress that we feel as moms inside of our house that we don't feel in nature, like when we go outside, we're like, sure, jump yes. on that rock, sure, dig in the hole, sure, jump in the pond, because it doesn't give me work. But when yes. we come inside, we interpret the whole environment as if you breathe in correctly, I have five hours of work to do. So yes. we try to control, right? <laughs> and a yeah. lot of energy no. comes from us. So do you feel like that could be beneficial? Is my line of thinking in incongruence with what you know, or how would you lead us? 100%.
1: Number one, thank you for enlightening me on that type of, I think it's Sounds awesome. Fun. First, what I was thinking, the first thing that came to mind when you talked about that was just the idea. So I'm a big proponent of like natural play materials or like loose parts play. I'm a big mm-hmm. proponent of that. And I, mm-hmm have been very vocal and pushed back real hard about just the lie that's spoken to parents that you need, you know, this toy or that toy that lights up and provides all this educational, amen <laughs> yes, all this educational, you know, getting your child ahead and A, B, or C if they have this toy. And I have been very vocal because number one, I, I think it is a huge disservice to new moms and dads who want they, they literally are preying on the good intentions of these parents who obviously want the best for their child. And they obviously want the best for their development. And it's just a flat out lie. Like your, your kids don't need any of that. Right. So I frequently am preaching about like your, I think I just actually did a post on this. I said, the top um developmental toys of 2023 and I said number one is you and number two is nature like <laughs> like that's it and so because I it just kills me inside um because your, your kids no okay okay so when you're talking about the homes and how I was just saying like I'm a big
0: what is happening you're getting edited by the universe you're gonna are you swearing a lot what's happening (laughs) and you're flippity flippity home okay let's try this again because I feel like it's so important I want to hear what you're saying go again go
1: again yes okay so when I talk anyway so I talked about the top developmental toys of 2023 being number one you and number two nature that's it period dot And so when you're talking about homes, I was, that's what it made me think of that I'm a proponent of kind of natural play materials and natural loose parts play and what that does for our children's development. But it was so cool what you were saying about homes. And if we're rethinking like our homes, like being built out of, you know, having more natural materials in them. Right. And what that's actually doing. It's so fascinating to me as I'm actually sitting here and actually verbalizing it of like what that could actually do for our children when we're thinking about like that indoor environment and the calming and restorative aspects that that could bring to not only our children's central nervous system, but just the functioning of families.
0: Yes. I feel really inspired by it too. I feel like when you hear wind through like bamboo reeds or you feel the hardwood beneath your feet, of things that are directly from nature, almost like God's gift to our sensory yes. systems and our stimulation, right? It's just the right amount. And yes. of course you can overdo it. There's Bohemian plant ladies that I totally love, but also that I would never take my children into their house. There are like there's a way to overdo it, but with nature it just takes a lot more work. And so you're less likely to overdo it. And what I mean is if you're hand mixing your plaster to put it on so many walls and to make really intricate designs just takes a lot of work and attention. And as with without the work and attention as say like sheetrock, and I love sheetrock, I mean sheetrock for everyone, but when you just put up a thing of sheetrock, tape it, mud it, paint it, you aren't developing the intimacy with it. You aren't getting to know it. It isn't speaking to you and speaking with you, dancing with you in a way that is sustainable for a very long time. It's not a relationship, it's a commodity. Yes. And that kind of communication is overstimulating or dysregulating, or it can be, right?
1: So I have to ask you, I don't want to hijack the podcast, however. Hijack, (laughs) hijack away. (laughs) I I have to ask you, because you shared with me that you guys are, you know, building a home. Is this the type of home you're building?
0: So the home that we have planned at this exact moment is a geodesic dome with half of it being a window. Yeah. You know, oh my goodness, we
1: literally are soul sisters. Girl, I this is so funny because I, so I treat hundred percent outdoor in nature. However, this past winter has been really, really challenging. We had a rough, rough winter. And the reality of me seeing some kids is that it, it's for some children, being outdoors in nature for a 60 minute session isn't always realistic, right? When we're talking yeah. about children with significant medical needs, right?
0: Like it's not the fit, and, it's not the right fit.
1: It's not the right. It's not right. We call it. Yeah. The just right challenge or the, or the best fit, the person environment fit. Right. What I just talked about. And so it has been a bit challenging for me navigating that. Cause while I believe wholeheartedly that nature it is a, a wonderful and the best environment for most, like the reality with children that I work with is that like, it, it isn't always for 60 minutes for a 60 minute therapy session, right? Or even like even my I do like ba- developmental baby classes and the reality is in the dead of winter when we're dealing oh, with yeah. 20 degree 20 degree weather, like that's just not that's not realistic, right? So anyways, I got so excited because I want a dome for our property because because of what we've been talking about cuz when we we're talking about environment um, there's a ton of research out that shows visual access to nature also having the same benefits as far as what, what yes. um, like cognitive restoration. And it has this, the same, not the same benefits, but
0: a similar benefits. type of benefit. Yeah.
1: A similar type of benefit. Um, and so I actually did a post on this too, about mm-hmm. visual access to nature, about like your, if your child is having a hard time, like attending to something, like put them next to a window, like- we don't realize the power of visual access to nature. If you legitimately can't get them outside, put them next to a window so they have that, that visual. I mean, there's been studies in hospital rooms about the the. You, you, I'm sure you've. I know you're a researcher. Totally, girl, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. About the patients who have visual access to nature and their medical outcomes actually improve, which is just amazing. I, I personally don't. That's not a coincidence to me. You know, no. I. We're like I, you know. I yeah yeah I believe <laughs> in a a creator and that it's beautiful intentional design and I don't think that it's coincidence that when we are immersed in nature that our bodies apps like go back to this homeostasis of you know our blood pressure you know lowers our heart rate lowers and we kind of our central nervous system literally goes back to a state a homeostatic state and I don't think that's coincidence and so but anyways, it's so exciting that you're building that type of home, because that's the type of, that's what I want for my treat, my indoor treatment space. Because I, early on, I threw around some ideas of like, cause some nature and forest schools do like the whole yurt thing. But in mm-hmm. my head, I was like, I still need the visual access to nature. Like it's dark I, in a
0: yurt. Yeah.
1: Yes. It's dark in a yurt. You can put some windows at, But for me, I was like, I still need, if I am a nature-based therapist, I need it. And I'm going to be going indoors for any amount of time. Like I need that visual access to nature because this is what I have built my practice on. And this is what I believe wholeheartedly in my heart, that this is what is contributing to the positive therapeutic outcomes for these children. And so I am so excited about yes! what you're doing for your
0: home. That's awesome. <laughs> I feel the exact same way. I feel the exact same way. If I have to be inside and I like to be inside, I love to read. I love the fire. I love coziness. And I also love to be outside just as much, but if the inside takes away from me, it's not worth it. And yeah. I have to be sleeping inside. I know that half of my life is spent inside anyways. So how am I going to make my house as much as like outside as possible?
1: <laughs> yeah. And so when we're talking about, cause I know you do a lot of this stuff, Carly, with just like home. And you talked a little bit about like, how do we make, if we're going to be inside, how do we make that indoor environment still therapeutic for children? still produce some level of benefits. And I think we've already addressed one thing as far as visual access to nature. like windows, 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 like open up the windows, let that natural light come in. But also I don't I don't know if I've ever shared this, but we I once was hiking in the mountains of Montana. And we ran into this photography team and they look like a very intentional photography team. And so I stopped cause I was curious. And when I'm curious, I ask questions. And so I said, what do you, you know, what are you guys doing? And it was actually a photography team from Sherwin Williams, the paint company Sherwin Williams. <laughs> and they were, they were trying to capture the colors of, we were basically in the mountains of Montana so the colors in the mountains to try to replicate these paint colors um, to be able to sell. And so we got into this conversation about, um, there's you know all this research too about different colors and what they do to our mood, right? And so it was fun to see a paint company actually diving into that kind of research of like, there's actually something to this. So we're gonna to try to replicate these paint colors of nature because, we can bring that into people's homes and it can be restorative to people, which so piggybacking off of what you said about totally, what can we do within our home environment to kind of bring about, there's, there's things we can think about, about like, you know, the colors that we're bringing into our home, not just a, the walls, but even just like aesthetically speaking of how we're, how we're decorating and those types of things like that. Yeah. Would, the colors that would be naturally calming and organizing for our families. So.
0: And the fun thing about picking those kind of colors is you're asking the questions of what's in my environment. When I look outside, what do I see based on the location of my home? How can I integrate there's, I think there's something, and I don't have the words to say it, the science behind it, but I think there's something to be said for the actual place on the earth where you live and incorporating that and becoming solid in your place attachment uh, using what surrounds you naturally versus like, it's great when you live in Hawaii to decorate with the Hawaiian color, air, everything, uh, context, right? But when I live in the desert of the the Western United States, as we both kind of do like the Rocky Mountain region, to decorate or to have my house function in the same way is actually not adaptive. And so as we're looking outside and we see the colors right outside of our window and we see the landscape, we can pick from there what, we put inside. And even these days you could go to the paint store with a flower and have them color match it. Yes. So you can even take it a step further, even though Sherwin-Williams yeah. is doing their best to help us out, which we appreciate. <laughs> yeah, no,
1: I know. I did. I thought it was, it was really fascinating to me and I just thought it was so cool. I'm like, yes, this is awesome. Like capture all of these colors because this is what more <laughs> people need. Um, but yeah, and then, but also just like bringing, you know, we, I talk to families a lot about like sensory bins and sensory experiences for the children. If they can't get outside, bring elements of nature mm-hmm. in the indoor environment. Um, because again, talking about like this Pinterest era, like this Pinterest era for motherhood of like where we feel like we need to like create all these fun activities for our kids, but even like just bringing in like pine cones and rocks and the different textures of the outdoor environment and letting our children interact with that is really helpful as far as their their development goes it feels
0: so easy it feels like a cheat it's like so I could just pretend to be a mom and have my kids play with pine cones and that's kosher
1: so (laughs) that's the thing that I really preach I really just have such a heart for is like because I have a heart for moms and I have a heart for motherhood and uh, and I just feel like we've overcomplicated things yeah like we have (laughs) the next level and I always want to hear, hear, I always want moms to hear me say like, we have overcomplicated it and it's not that complicated. Like just expose your children to the outdoor environment and, and interact with them. It's high, you know, child development is highly interactive. It's highly relational. And so our children need that, but they, that doesn't mean that to be interactive and intentional, that we have to bring in all these crafts and everything. We can just go outside with our children or bring outdoor items inside and let them interact with it. And honestly, loose parts play, there is a whole, we can't, we could do a whole other podcast on the developmental benefits of loose parts play. And for those who are listening, who don't know what loose parts play is, loose parts play is literally like loose parts, like anything you can think of, like when we were talking about two by fours or pine cones or things that don't, don't tell the child how to play with it is what we're talking about when we're talking about loose parts so it it you know when you give a child a two by four they it's not telling them what to do with it like you know a leapfrog pad would would do or whatever it is or even just like a cash register or even a play kitchen I love mud kitchen and I love play kitchens but to a certain extent it is telling the child how to play with it right because they have a preconceived mm-hmm. notion of what you do in a kitchen you cook and you do this but when you're thinking about loose parts play it's it's objects where the child has to come up with how they're going to play with it and you would be amazed at how what children come up with as far as games and what they invent um and so i am there's just huge amounts of research out there that show what loose parts do for children, specifically for executive functioning, which our children, there are major executive functioning deficits Mm. that we're seeing as children grow up in this kind of technological age. We're seeing kind of the, yeah, we're seeing these. And when we talk about executive functions, uh, without going too far into it, I always tell families, executive functioning is like what a CEO, CEO does in a company. So this is things like organization, planning, initiation, um, those types of activities. And so we're seeing kind of these deficits, mostly because we we have a lot of things in place in this technological era that are kind of doing the heavy lifting for our children's cognition, right? We have kids who are, you know, average age of kids getting a cell phone, you know, it's like nine or 10. So they have their cell phone that's giving them reminders of as far as when they wake up, when they have to go to class. And they have instantly at their fingertips, a thing to Google how to do something. And so they can just type it into Google, like, how do you do this? Or how do you do that? And so children are being raised in this kind of technological era where technology is doing the heavy lifting. And so we're starting to see, I personally am starting to see in my work, um, just kind of these executive functioning deficits. And I believe it's as a direct result of Technology doing the heavy lifting for our children's cognition. And then also a decrease in outdoor playtime in combination with just this kind of decrease in loose parts play, like children not having the experience of interacting with things in their environment where they have to come up with ways in which they want to play with it or, or even other children. Like they aren't, our, our children are not having that kind of social interaction of teamwork and collaborating around building a fort or building a clubhouse or your everyday activities that, you know, our parents probably participated. In. And honestly, even we participate. I, I, Carly, I think you're younger than me, but you know, I definitely grew up pre-cell phone. And so yeah. I had a, a lot of outdoor playtime and it, after school, you were out playing with your, your neighborhood kids. Right. And it's just a different, our kids are growing up in a different era than that. And so we're starting to see these executive functioning deficits in children. That is
0: based fascinating. On... Yeah. Wow. And so those three things combined are creating this perfect storm that really, yes. if we just got our kids outside in nature, it would solve 95% of it.
1: Yes. Yes. And the, the hard thing is, is a, something I get from families a lot, Carly, is it's hard though, because even if they want to send their kids outside, no other kids are outside to play with right? They're either inside either doing homework or, you know, there's so much um, social connection now through devices. So kids aren't going outside to socially connect anymore. They're connecting either through social apps or social gaming or whatever it is so there's not that need or that pull to go outside and play with the neighborhood kid right and so I get that a lot from families of just that challenge of like even if they want to send their kids outside their kid doesn't have anybody to play with right and that that's really heartbreaking but again just circling back to you know as a parent just stepping up and going outside with your children and, and claiming that for your family, like claiming that for your family, that you're, it's going to look differently, even if the neighbor isn't, you know, sending their kids outside to do it. So
0: I yeah. love that claim that for your family. And as somebody who travels with my family alone for a very large part of the year, yeah, very far away from a lot of people, they just have each other. If there's a sibling involved or another person involved, or if they have a mom and if you're a mom yes. listening to this, there's, that's all they need, you know. It's it's so true, and it's even more family bonding. It's we do this together, and that's fine if there's nobody to play with. You all go play with each other. Yes, <laughs> yes, go outside. Are all complete. Why do you think I have six kids, Carla? That's right. That's right. Well, you guys, I feel like Kim, we could talk forever and we probably should. Let's just make this whole series about this, but if you guys want to find Kim and this is right up your alley. You want to hear more of what she's doing, which is incredible work. And I think you should, you can go to www.naturespathot. So N-A-T-U-R-E-S-P-A-T-H-O-T Instagram, natures.path.ot and on Facebook as well. Right. Yep. Nature's Path Occupational Therapy on Facebook. That's correct. Yep. Oh my gosh. Kim, you've done us a huge service today. My oh, brain and my heart are blown open in the best ways possible. Thank you so much.
1: Yes. Thank you for having me, Carly. It was awesome.
0: Oh yes. Anytime. And all y'all listening, you go out there and make a mess, make a big outdoor mess today.
1: Yes. i talk to you next yes.
0: time. <laughs> Hey, if you're loving what you're hearing and you want to know more, I invite you to go over to carlythornock.com and you can pick up a free guide. These are the three biggest mistakes that people make when setting up their houses. And I don't want you to make the same mistakes. And of course, in true Carly fashion, you know, it's going to be a lot less about the house and a lot more about your perspective about the house, but with some good housey tips thrown in, go over to carlythornock.com and you can pick up that today.